Okay, we are starting in Genesis chapter 29. And you may remember in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob had this, this revelation. He had this revelation. And um, uh, because of that, it was as, as if he, it was sort of like a salvation experience. He was really moved because all of a sudden he, he sees, he, he sees this, this ladder with angels going up and down and the Lord standing at the top of it and proclaiming certain things. And so, so now there's this real change in his life. But I want you to remember what it had said about Jacob. Jacob was really a good guy. I know a lot of Gentile pastors will, will say bad things about Jacob. In, in, remember back in, in chapter 25 of Genesis, when it says, when it said of him in verse 27, 25, 27, it says of him that he was a peaceful man. That's the word tam, T-A-M. So it, it, it's pronounced tam. And that word tam means that he was a very special man and, and really quite righteous or quite a good man. The Bible only speaks of Noah and Job in those two terms, in, in that term, those two people in those terms. So he's the third person in the Bible. So there's only three people in the Bible, and he's actually actually uh, 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 the first of those three that, that that's, uh, I'm sorry, the, the second of those three that's spoken about in that way. But in chapter 29, we're going to start reading now. Chapter 29 of Genesis, reading from verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the sons of the east. He looked and he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, then they would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. And he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. And he said, Behold, it is still high day. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered, and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well, then we will water the sheep. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was the shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and he embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he related to Laban all these things. Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall be your wages. What your wages shall be. Okay, so we'll stop there. So in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 29, it says, Then Jacob went on his journey. It's actually, that went is, he lifted up his feet. He lifted up his feet. 
And if you have a study Bible, you see that in, in the margin there. And so, so uh, um, in the New American Standard, which is what I'm reading, or the NIV, it's, it's, it's not nearly as descriptive. It's Jacob lifted up his feet. He had, he had a spring in his step, which means that he was, he was really quite happy. He had this experience that night before. And all of a sudden, there's this joy that comes upon him. This is characteristic of like a salvation experience. When all of a sudden you meet God, something big is happening now. And uh, uh, he has a spring in his step and he's going. So remember, he has to travel 450 miles. He's traveled so far about, about uh, uh, say, about 50 miles from the Negev over to Bethel. And he still has another 400 miles to go. So you figure he's going to be traveling for maybe somewhere around a month. So he goes on his journey. And I know you guys never grew up without GPS. So there was a time when GPS didn't exist back in the old, long, long time ago. And, and, uh, um, and so when you had to go somewhere, you had to use a map. And you got a map and you'd go somewhere and you, you never knew if you were really on the right course. You know, you, you could easily lose your way. You didn't have anybody barking at you, telling you, you turn around, stop, turn around. Uh, and, and so it was a little bit harder. But to meet somebody in a particular city was really hard. Remember, there were no cell phones. There weren't any. And so when people traveled, they didn't have a phone with them. And so you didn't know how to contact them because the, you're trying to meet, say, on the in some city, and, and they're not standing by a phone. So you don't know what to do. So it was hard. So you had to be extremely specific. You had to say, I'll meet you in, in New York City at, at, at Broadway and 125th Street over by, by, by Columbia University there. And, and uh, on, on the northwest corner, and I'll meet you right there, and there's a coffee shop there. I'll meet you right in front of the coffee shop. You got very, very specific or you could be 20 feet away from them, and because of crowds, you'd miss them. And uh, uh, so he has to go all this way. There's no maps. He just knows that he's going in a certain direction. And, uh, uh, and then it, it, says, it says in verse 2, he looked and he saw a well. So he's arrived there. He looked and he saw a well in a field. And behold, three flocks of sheep, sheep were lying there beside it. So there were three flocks of sheep, so there were probably three shepherds already there because there were three flocks of sheep. For, for from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. So there was a well with a stone on it, over it. And that was probably so animals wouldn't go in and fall in it and die in there and then mess it up. And so they would cover the well the mouth of the well with a stone. And it wasn't just a stone, it was a large stone. So there was a large stone there and there were three shepherds already there. And it says in verse 3, it talks about the custom of the time. When all the flocks were gathered, then all the shepherds would collectively go and move that stone away and they'd water the sheep and then they'd all probably move it back. It was a large enough stone that it made it much easier to have multiple people. Obviously, three even wasn't what they liked to do. Not that three men couldn't do it, but they would wait till all the shepherds were there, and then they had, I don't know, a dozen men, and they could all help to push this, or women, shepherdesses. Maybe a dozen shepherdesses came and did it. Who knows? And, and, uh, uh, but it was multiples of them. And then Jacob sees these people, these three shepherds sitting there, the, these, and he, he says, uh, he said, and they, 
he said, where are you from? They said, we are from Haran. So he's very close now. As soon as they said, we are from Haran, he knew that he's getting close. Well, why was he going there? Well, remember, remember that he was going there to get a wife because his father had sent him to do that. His father sent him to do that. He says in chapter 28, verse 2, Arise, go to Pedan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So he was sent to get a wife. And uh, uh, so he knows he's getting very close when, when they said that they are from Haran. So he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And, and actually Laban was the grandson of Nahor. So it was Laban, Bethuel, Nahor. All right. And that's why his father had said, go to your, bro- your, your mother's brother, Laban, the son of Bethuel. Now, now he's saying, saying, uh, do you know, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? So he's just claiming back, which the Bible often did. It skipped generations and, and, uh, a grandson could be called a son. You see that, for example, in the book of Daniel, when it talks about Belshazzar and it says his father, Nebuchadnezzar. Actually, that Nebuchadnezzar that we know about was his great grandfather. It was, but often it speaks of father but it means extended generations. And they said, we know him. And he says in verse 6, he says, is it well with him? Because actually, Rebekah has been gone 97 years. Jacob, who you think is this young, dashing fellow, he's 77 at this point. So he's actually 77 years old. And if you don't, if that doesn't sit well with what you've learned in the past, you're wrong. This is all figured out. I'm right. You can just just study study the scriptures and, and, and you'll be able to see all, all, all the years added up. You say, well, what's this 77 years old and he still doesn't have a wife? They lived about twice as long as we did in this time. So it would be sort of like a, a 40-year-old guy. And, and uh, um, so, so uh, 77 is then is the new 40. And, and, uh, but, but it says here that... that um, is it well with him? And they said, it's well. And here's Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. So, so he, he sees Rachel coming and it says, and he said, behold, it's high day. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them out to pasture. So remember, Jacob is a professional shepherd. He knows about this stuff. This is his business as well. And he's very good at shepherding, which we're about to see. But that was his job. That was what Isaac's job was. It was shepherding. That was Abraham's job, shepherding. That runs in his family. He says, what are you doing? They said, no, here's our custom. They say, in verse 8, but they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. The custom of the land was to wait for all the shepherds to come because it's easier to roll the stone. And while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. So now she approaches, she gets closer. Well, what does Rachel look like? Well, we're told um, in, in verse, in verse uh, um, 17 of that same chapter, it says, Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. She was beautiful of form and face. So she was hot. And... and uh, and so all of a sudden he sees Rachel and what does he do? He moves the stone by himself. That's what guys do when they want to impress a girl. 
he sees her and he's like, hey. And so he goes and he, he, he it says that, that, that while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep in verse 9, for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw her, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's, his mother's brother. So he goes to this stone that's, that even three men, not that they couldn't have done it, but they don't like to do it. They wait till all the shepherds come and they do it. He moved it by himself. So he was a pretty strong guy. And we're going to see what, a, what an amazing shepherd he was shortly. But so he was a strong man and he sees this girl and, and you know, guys get on, get superhuman strength when they want to impress somebody. And he moves this stone away. And not only does he, he doesn't just move the stone and say, water your sheep. It says, he watered the sheep. He did it. He served. He watered the sheep. What is it I tell you? That as you serve, others will see you and they will be impressed with this. You want to find a spouse, learn to be a servant. Learn to be a servant. You serve others and you're more likely to find a spouse and somebody who appreciates service because it's good to be married to somebody who is selfless rather than selfish. And so so watch for people who are serving. And I encourage you to serve. And what is the outcome of his serving? He got her as a wife. And she was beautiful of, of form and face. I mean, so she had a good figure. And she had, I mean, she was just, she was pretty lady. And he got her. And, but he did it through service. It is through service you get this. So he serves her in this way. And, and first, so what he does is he moves the stone. And, it, and, uh, and then he waters the sheep. He didn't water the sheep for the other three guys. No, he watered her sheep. He moved the stone and he watered her sheep. He did that. He served her. He learned how to serve. And then it says, and then, uh, uh, then, it, then, it, then it says in verse 11, then Jacob kissed Rachel. Uh-oh. Well, this kiss is the same kiss that Laban, the same thing that Laban did when he met, when he met, uh, 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 when he met Jacob. So it was a greeting kiss, not a, not, not another kind of kiss. And it says, Jacob kissed Rachel and he lifted up his voice and he wept. So he is a strong man, but he's a sensitive man. And we see that same thing through his relationship with his mother, that he was, he was very close to his mother. So he was strong, but he was sensitive. And you know, some, some women find that quite alluring, that the, 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 the man is strong, but he's also sensitive. And that's, that's what he was. He was a strong man, but he was also quite sensitive. And, uh, I, and so you see this. He lifted up his voice and he wept because all of a sudden he sees exactly what God had promised to him in Bethel, that I'm going to take you and I'll take care of you. And he ends up right there and she happens to be coming out at exactly that moment. She happens to be coming out. And so to him, this is a big thing. He's been walking for like a month. 
And you're always wondering, am I on the right track? I mean, you know, anybody could have flipped around a road sign or something. And, and you used to have to inquire a lot when, when there was no GPS. If you had no GPS and a map, you were at everybody else's mercy asking for directions. And, uh, um, and, and it wasn't like you could just download a map. There was no Internet. There were no cell phones. And, and, and uh, if you didn't carry a map in your car or have a map for that city, you were in big trouble. So often you would pull into a gas station and gas stations would all, always have a map on the wall. So you were always stopping at, at, at gas stations and you could then check the map and see where, and, and you know, the, the words were really small. And thankfully at that time I could read the small print. I don't know if, if somebody was, was older. I remember a uh, a policeman one, once came to help me, and I said, could you show me around this map? It is. He says, I don't have my glasses. can't help you. And so, so you know, a lot of help he was. And, but, but that's what it was like. And so he, he find, finds it, and he's really moved by this, that God led him to this place, right to the woman who is the daughter of, the, the, of Laban, his mother's brother. This is a big deal that the Lord led them in that way. And I don't know if you've ever traveled or things have happened to you and you've seen the hand of God. This hand of God provide for you. You know, a lot of times I've been traveling overseas, particularly when I was younger and I didn't have a secretary mapping out everything. You know, a limo will pick you up here and take you to here and then you just have to walk out of the limo into the hotel and then they'll take care of you. I used to be just like everybody else and I used to have to... And, and I was really dependent on everything working out. And, uh, and then I'd pray much more. And God would have people on the way that would just help me. You see God's hand in this. And, uh, um, and so, so he was really moved by this. And then it says that, that uh, Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative. Actually, the word there is brother. He was a brother of her father. So he called himself a brother of her father. He was really th- that her father was his uncle. It was an uncle-nephew relationship, but he said brother. Why would he say brother? Because they use the terminology brother differently than we use. We use brother when we're the, we're, 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 we're the offspring of the same mother or father, generally both. And, and, uh, uh, but they used it very differently, and you see that throughout the scriptures. They use it very differently, and Shireen has told me in her country they use the term brother very liberally. All her cousins, she always called her brothers and sisters. They use the term very differently than, than the, the cloistered look in, in, in the way we use it. And, and uh, uh, the relative of her father, and that he was Rebecca's son. And she ran and she told her father. So she ran and she told her father. So she's leaving the sheep there with, with, with uh, uh, Jacob, and she's running back to the house. We don't know how far, but she's running to tell her father. And... and uh, um, and so, so when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his, his sister's son, he ran to meet him again, which is very unusual. Most Middle Eastern men don't run. And, and so remember, this is his uncle. How old is he? We don't know the exact age, but at this time when, when Jacob is 77, Rachel is 97 because remember, she was married. No, she's more than that. She was married for 20 years before she had him. So she's been, she's been gone. Uh, yeah, so, so it was 97 years earlier, so however old she was when she got married, say, say, uh, something, something around 115 or something. So, so Laban, who's probably your older brother, though we don't know that, he's over 100 years old and he's running. I mean, he's a 
And it's a different kind of run than the way we think of running. But, but remember, these people are living much longer than us. He runs out to meet him, and he embraced him. Well, why would he be so happy? Well, remember, when, he, when they gave away Rachel, there was this whole entourage that Abraham had sent with his servant Eleazar, and they got, you know, bracelets and everything, and, and uh, uh, they got a lot of money. They got a big dowry. So maybe he's thinking like, <laughs> I mean, look what's going to come. Um, but anyway, he goes out, he runs to meet him, and he embraces him, and then he, 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 then he related to Laban all these things. So he recounts to him all the things that have happened with the family over this time period. Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. That's in verse 14. So if you look back in chapter, in chapter 27, verse, verse uh, 44, it says, Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides. So, so uh, Rebecca, his mother, had sent him there and said, Stay there a few days, find a wife. So he's there already a month. So it's sort of like within that time frame of a few days. Then Laban said to him, said to Jacob, Be because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? And so that's, a, that, 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 that's a, a, obviously the answer to that is no. He shouldn't serve him for nothing. Tell me what will be your wages. So in other words, this man is staying there as a guest for a month. Laban says, I'd like to offer this guy a job. Well, do you think Jacob was staying in Laban's house and just sitting around all day watching TV? And getting served? No, he must have been extremely active. And we know what was going on. I just, I just happened to go out and help, help uh, 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 Rachel with, with, with the sheep. Why don't I just do that today? And you know how that is. I mean, you just happen to help the person that you're interested in, right? Isn't that what you do? You just happen to be there. And, and, uh, uh, and that's what it was. I mean, he was daily out there probably helping so much with the sheep. And Laban sees what a productive guy this is and wants to hire him. He says, you know, you shouldn't be working here for free because if it's for free, he's not going to stay long. He says, let me hire you. What's your wages? He doesn't even propose to him something. He says, you, you propose the wages. You see, serving, free service got him a full-time job. Free service got him a job. This is what I tell people. If you want to get a job, you want to get a job, learn to become a part of a church and serve in that church and you'll find a job. You're like, no, no, you don't understand. I don't want ministry work. No, you don't understand. I'm not saying a job in ministry. If you serve in a church like this, if you serve in a church like this, somebody will see you and realize that you're an engineer and somebody's going to hire you. Hey, I see this person serving all the time. Yeah, let me, let me give him an offer. Let me do this. This happened. So when I did prison ministry, prisoners would get out of, get out of prison and they, and they, they want, and I said, look, I can't meet your needs. But if you come to the church and you become a part of the church and learn to start serving there, somebody will see that and they will hire you. It is through service that you get hired. It is through learning how to serve free of charge that you get hired. So, so uh, it is learning to serve free of charge that you find a spouse. This happens. 
there have been several people in my home that have been serving lunches and other people have seen them and they looked, hey, this might be a nice person. And, and, and it happens, doesn't it, Lindsay? People, people see you there and then all of a sudden they start inquiring, who's that young lady? Well, that's, that, that, that's, uh, that's Rachel, <laughs> the, the daughter of Laban. And, and they start inquiring and they start asking. This is how it happens as you serve. Now, that doesn't mean you all have to go to my house and just, you know, lock in there. But you could if you want to. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people who found their spouses in our home over those lunches. A lot of people. But if you're serving on campus, and this is why when I go to the, the campus groups and I see, you know, people carrying, you know, the big drum equipment and all the stuff and setting it up, I look at those people who are setting up very differently than I look at the people who just start filing in at 8 p.m. for the meeting. Because the people who have set up, it's those people whose hearts are really tied in with the ministry. They're the ones that really care. They're the ones that are invested in this. So, for example, you you know, I don't think that Shireen and I would wake up some morning and just say, hey, let's start going to another church. Let's Let's just start going to another church. We can't. I mean, it's like you'd come here and be nobody here. Where's Dr. Tour? Oh, well, he just started going to another church. No, we can't do that. We are invested here. We are invested here. We've given so much. I can't leave this place. And even if there's trouble in the leadership or things, I can't leave. I'm invested here. For over 20 years, I've given my tithe here. I'm invested here. In this church, my children went to Awanas. My children learned in the classes here. People invested in them and instructed them. I can't just abandon this place. I'm invested. You see what happens? That when you invest in something, you really care about it. And when you have an employee that really cares about the place, they're a different kind of employee. I have people in my research group that really care about the group. If something's broken, they don't go, oh, it's broken, and walk away and just think somebody else will fix it. No, they say, this is broken. This has to be addressed. This has to be fixed. And they start reaching out and doing the things to get the equipment fixed. And I can look at them and I say, I know this person cares. And so when I write them a job recommendation, it's different. I say, I know this person cares the way they serve. I know how they serve. And so, so when you see that, it's a treasure. This man got hired because he was serving. When you serve, people recognize that. And so let's see what Jesus had to say about this. Turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Let's see what Jesus had to say about this. And so Jesus would constantly teach us by example. He didn't just give us a list of things to do. He would constantly teach us by example. So in in John chapter 13, we'll start reading from verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world of out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, so let's think about where Jesus is. This is just before the feast of the Passover. This is just before, this is the night before he is going to be arrested. And that arrest is going to lead to his conviction in these kangaroo courts, both a civil court and a religious court. And it's going to lead to his crucifixion. And Jesus knows all this, right? Because he's the son of God. 
Now, before the Feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, so this didn't take Jesus by surprise. He knew that this was it. And that he would depart out of the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus knows what's about to occur to him. And he doesn't say, look, guys, I am personally going through a lot here. Okay? This is a time to minister to me. Because this is my time. Because... You know, I'm going to go through a lot. Like the whole sin of the world is going to be put upon me. It's a lot. Have you ever done that? No. So it's my time. He didn't do that. Knowing his position, he does this. It says in verse 2, During the supper, the devil, having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and he had come forth from God, and he was going back to God. So, Jesus, knowing who he was, that he was the Son of God, he had come from God and he was going back to God. It wasn't like he had a lapse, like, I forgot who I am. Maybe I am a slave. No, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly his position. He got up from supper. He laid aside his garment. He took a towel. He girded himself with it. He took the position of a slave. He put on the clothes of a slave. He took off... His, his garment, remember that, that garment that the, the, the uh, soldiers wouldn't even tear because it was a, it was a garment that, that was very high value? He took it off. He put a, a towel around himself. And uh, so he, he girds himself with a towel about his waist. He knew who he was. You know one of the things that's so neat for me to see? When I see, we, we have a lot of CEOs in our church. Yeah, we have a lot of CEOs of big companies in our church. When I see them serving, it's like, yes. I just love to see that. That it's not like, hey, you don't know who I am. I don't do that kind of thing. No, they are CEOs of big companies where lots of people say, they can boss around lots of people. But they're cleaning. And, and, and when we had that hurricane, Harvey came through. I saw them serving and, 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 and picking up drywall and cutting and, and, and going through all that slop and doing everything like everybody else. It was so good to see. Never think yourself too high to become a servant. That's the model of Jesus. Verse 5, Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he didn't just take a separate towel. The towel that was around his waist, he was wiping his feet down with that. This is what he did. He didn't just say, Hey, slave, come here. Wash my disciples' feet. He did it himself. He did it himself. And he didn't just say, hey, Peter, you know, you really ought to be washing the other's feet. No, he did it himself. It is all about you serving. That's what this is about. You have got to engage somewhere. If not here, somewhere you've got to engage. So let's look down in verse 12. So when he had washed, this is John chapter 13, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I do. Jesus demonstrated that example. Jesus demonstrated that. And, and uh, when I was in, in graduate school, and uh, Shereen and I were in this church, and there was a, there was a, the pastor of the church was a professor. 
And that professor did what everybody else in the church did. He moved chairs, he moved tables. It, it was so good to see. That guy did everything. And I learned from him. That man knew how to serve. And when everybody else was gone and done, he was still cleaning up stuff. I learned it from that man. He learned this from Jesus. He said, you, see, you saw what I did? He says, I gave you an example that you should do as I did. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. To know what I just told you will not bring blessing in your life. He says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The blessing comes through doing it. That's where the blessing is. The blessing comes through doing it. The blessing comes through service. Now, let me tell you what service is not. Service is not going to a place and uh, uh, just every time you go to the same place saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you need? Service is recognizing with your own eyes what needs to be done. Now, maybe when you first go to a place, they'll tell you something to do. But then you already know what to do. The next time you go back there, you know what needs to be done. Just get up and do it. For people who are always at, so, so what do you want me to do? You gen, generally, it, it's, uh, it, it's painful after a while, every week. And then they do it for about one minute. And then they stop. And they're like, where were they? Were, were, were they going to do that? No, they were only going to do it for a minute. Jesus didn't do two of the disciples and say, okay, you guys do the rest. He did all 12 of them. Well, 11, because, because uh, uh, Judas had already run off. Uh, it, well, it had, had already put in his heart. Actually, he did Judas because Judas was about to run off. So you see that, that what's going on here is Jesus did it. He did it to all of them. It's learning how to serve. And then once you've served, you know how to do it. You know what needs to be done. You can go to some campus group on campus. You, you just watch what they do and they just come alongside. And they just say, next week, how about where do you need this stuff carried from? Let me do it. The great thing about young people is God has given them strong arms and strong backs and good balance, and you carry things. Remember, the first job in the church was for young men was doing what? Burying dead bodies. Yes, Ananias and Sapphira. The young men carried out their bodies and buried. That was the first job. The young men did it. It's doing the heavy lifting. This is what you do. You get all this stuff set up. You can certainly grab trash bags and do this sort of thing. And you are blessed if you do it. Look at that. You are blessed. If Jesus said you are blessed, remember, heaven and earth can't stop the blessing. It has to be done. There is blessing that will come upon your life. You will get jobs. You will get, you'll get a good spouse. You'll get good life. If you learn how to serve, through service you get this. You don't get it by sitting. You get it through service. Learning how to serve. So well, what do I do? I mean, I don't know. How to, uh, can you get a trash bag and just pick up trash and clean off tables? You can certainly do that. And and uh, people start seeing, it and they'll they'll trust you with more and more. If you come in, I I I think I'm a teacher. I should be. Te- I've had people say that. I think my gift is teaching. I think I should be teaching. I'm like, yeah, I I'll, I'll sit down and we'll just have you teach. Yeah, how about how about that? You don't just get up to that. You start and you learn to serve and it comes through faithfulness. You do this week after week after week. It is not just one time. It is faithfulness so that you don't have to ask. You become part of it and then you get invested. 
and then you really care about the place and you can't readily leave because people are depending upon you. The only time you can just get up and leave is when you're not invested and you're not invested, you're a hireling. You don't really care about the place and you never get the blessing. Did you know he will bless your career you bless your career. Everybody is in school here working so hard. You know, you're at HBU and U of H and, and Rice and working so hard here to advance your career. Your career will advance by the blessing of God if you learn to serve Him. Wouldn't you like the God of heaven and earth to be blessing your career, to put you in the right place at the right time, with the right contacts, that you move on up? This is how you do it. This is how it's done. It comes through service. We saw it in the life of Jacob. We see it in the life of Jesus. If you don't know him today, I urge you to get to know him. That you come to Jesus this day. That you confess. That you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. We're going to have uh, lunch today at my home. I invite you to come and I will share Jesus with you. I love to share Jesus. Please let me do that with you. And you'll get saved today. You really will. You won't leave my house without getting saved. I won't let you leave until you get saved. And if you don't get it, I'll, I'll go through it again. And you're going to get saved. All right? And, and, uh, and let your life change. Get the Spirit of God in you and let your life change for good. Please come to my home this day. we got a lot of international students in here. I particularly am reaching out to you international students. Please come to my home. And did you know I really love Chinese? I love Chinese people. I've worked with Chinese students. My first student that I ever got 32 years ago, my first graduate student was a Chinese woman, and she did amazing things in my group. And I have had Chinese in my group ever since. Every one of my patents has Chinese people on it, which means that they did the work and they put my name on it. Every article, every paper has Chinese people on. I love the Chinese people. Please come to my home and let me share Jesus with you. Let me give something back to the Chinese people by getting you saved. Please give me that opportunity. Come to my home. I'll give you, I'll give you, we'll give you a good meal and we'll sit together and I will personally sit with you and share with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your mercies and for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the kindness of God which draws men to repentance. And Father, I pray today for the lost, for those who don't know you, and particularly for the international students and the Chinese students. Father, I pray that they would come today and they would hear the message of Jesus and the message of the gospel, which is, come, come unto me. And Father, that they would hear that message and turn to you. And Father, I pray for the believers that are here, that they would learn to do as Jesus said. You have seen me do it. Now blessed are you if you do it. You know these things, now blessed are you if you do it. Father, I pray that you would turn their lives to begin to serve. Now that they have learned this, that they would begin to do it. And through that, you would open up for them opportunities to get a good spouse. You'd open up for them opportunities to get a good job. Father, open the doors for them, I pray. And I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.